0: don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of our podcast. As I had previewed in a previous episode, I was excited to talk to my listeners to answer your specific questions and to feature an entire episode about one of you, maybe multiple of you. So lots of people wrote me with interest and I am so excited to introduce our very first listener, Vanessa. Hi, Hi, Vanessa. Hi,
1: I be, uh, be featured on your podcast. Thank you.
0: Well, welcome. We are so excited to have you. And I was very happy to see that you wrote in with lots of amazing questions and some great pictures, because it serves as content for this podcast. And hopefully it will help some of the other listeners out there. Yes, I'm, I'm really
1: excited to get some answers on this stuff
0: great. Well, without further ado, let's dive right in. I'm Betsy Helmuth. This is Big Design, Small Budget, and today we are talking to Vanessa. So Vanessa, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, what's going on?
1: Yeah. So I'm one of those, I have a strange situation in which uh, I'm bicoastal. I have two apartments, one in LA. I lived in LA for about four four to five years And then a job brought me to New York. Um, It was going to be temporary, but eventually I, you know, I I stayed with the company that I was with and I've been here for about four years, but I I moved between the cities and I just moved in with my boyfriend. The thing about uh, living in New York and LA is that in LA you have a really big space in New York. It's pretty tiny. So different dilemmas but in LA i live in a loft space and uh it's not it's not huge but the what's interesting with the loft is that the ceilings are really really high there's no walls separating the space and it's mostly concrete so i've had trouble sort of bringing a lot of warmth into the space and also decorating the walls. I mean, I have my bathroom wall alone is like seven feet high by nine feet long. And my living room wall is, I would say, like 12 feet high by like 30 feet long. I mean, it's it's wow. huge. So I just wanted to try different solutions on how to
0: decorate the space without breaking the bank. Gotcha. So you really want to maximize those big walls. It's such a good problem to have to have so much wall, to have such a big room. But at the same time, I can tell from your pictures that it could be a little daunting. It almost overpowers you with its size. Yeah. The
1: bathroom, I tried to like just plaster all of these different photos to create kind of like this cool collage of imagery is is almost as wallpaper, but the moisture from from the shower uh, made it lift. So it looked a little janky and and I took everything down and now I'm trying to figure out, you know, if I should put artwork or if it should be mirrors or, you know, something that is beautiful, but also affordable.
0: Good. Yeah. Let's start with that. Let's start with the bathroom because you sent pictures of before when it did have this sort of collage feel to it. I have a question. So, if you were to open the bathroom door, is that wall broken up with the door, or uh, is that the size of the wall without the door?
1: It's with the door. So the when you open the door into the bathroom,
0: the wall is behind the door. Gotcha. So I don't typically put art behind the door. Okay. Even though when you're in the bathroom and the door's shut, you can see that entire wall. For me, I just don't like opening the door and having something behind it. It's bad feng shui. Even if you have a door stop, so the door never actually hits the wall, it still looks and feels problematic, and you're never supposed to have anything behind the door according to feng shui. So what you're really working with is from the edge of the door when it's open all the way to, say, that shower. Right. Now, I'm really glad you got the collage taken down. The key with a bathroom, and actually this is the key with the kitchen as well, is that whatever you choose to decorate it with, the first thing you want to think about above aesthetics is cleanliness. Does it look clean? Does it feel clean? Can I scrub it if it gets unclean? That's, that's what everybody wants to know when they walk in that space.
1: It's so funny that you say that because when I put the collage up, um, I used to tell people it was my dirty bathroom. <laughs>
0: Well, and I'm sure it kind of looked dirty as well, especially with the peeling corners from the humidity and perhaps the decoupage didn't make all the pictures quite straight. So I think it looked a little arts and crafts, and I'm glad it's gone because it's rarely done nicely. Even when I'm in those bathrooms, I had a client the other day who had a bathroom. He completely hand wallpapered it, if you will, with playbill covers and decoupage. And it just felt dirty. Like, if I can't take Windex to it, if I can't take a damp cloth to it and just wipe it off, and paper does not belong in the bathroom because it really can't stand up to humidity. So I think it's a great idea to do some art there, especially because you already have a mirror in that location with the vanity mirror, and you don't really want to watch yourself. I mean, let's just really go here right now. You don't want to watch yourself on the toilet. So I wouldn't want a big mirror opposite the toilet. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to see myself super naked a lot in the bathroom in terms of having a really gigantic full-length mirror opposite the vanity mirror. I prefer to keep full-length mirrors in bedrooms or dressing rooms so you can kind of control how much nudity you want to see, control what you're looking at. Uh So I would tend to go something framed in this area. Now, you could do like four frames so that it creates a series. Maybe they're in the shape of a square. The only key with that is sometimes moisture can get caught behind the glass as well. The thing I like about the glass is you can wipe it off. But they do have canvas prints or even prints that are directly on glass or prints that are directly on metal that you could get to decorate the bathroom. I personally have a print behind plexiglass in my bathroom. And you wanna make sure that you either turn the fan on or keep the door open in any case because bathrooms should be well ventilated just in general. But I've had the picture there for years and nothing has happened to it. It looks great. Uh, I spritz off the plexiglass frequently. It just feels clean and it feels pretty simple. So I like to make simple, clean statements in a bathroom. You have a really big wall, I would do a series of art. I would do maybe something large. Something that I try and avoid, which I noticed in your collage was pretty prevalent, are pictures of people. Uh-huh. Cuz I don't want to feel like people are watching me in such an intimate space. That's I prefer good. landscapes, <laughs> abstract imagery, maps, posters, anything but pictures, especially not Photographs of people.
1: Okay. Um, So when you say that a series of, that you recommend a series of art for the bathroom wall, would you, I mean, is there a minimum of prints that I should be considering? Should it be a series of three or could it be one large piece, even though the wall is super, super big?
0: Well, again, we want to think simple and easy to clean. So personally, I would not think that this is a great place for one of those organic picture walls. In terms of lots of different size frames with lots of different imagery in a big cluster. I would keep it really straightforward. I'd keep it really geometric. So that way they're all in alignment and it just feels straightforward, simple, orderly. These are the kinds of words we want in a bathroom and kitchen where sanitation is involved. Okay, great. So make it symmetrical. Okay. Symmetrical. Simple and clean. There we go. So let's tackle this living room wall, because you mentioned that it's got these very high ceilings, it's very long, and you don't want to spend a lot of money. Right. Tell me a little
1: bit more about your style. So I would say that it's maybe minimalistic with like a touch of bohemian. I'd like to... I mean, the the loft space itself is... I like to say that it's just a really sexy space. I mean, when you walk in, there's floor-to-ceiling windows, and at night there's these lanterns that kind of sit right outside the window um, with these stringy lights. So you, it it almost feels like you're perched up in a little fairyland. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and but the space is really dark. Like it doesn't get a ton of natural light because it's it's in downtown LA, and there's a lot of buildings around mm-hmm. where i live so it doesn't get a lot of light but at night there's all of this light coming through from the string lights
0: and and that's from outside or the string lights Out- inside okay no, the string
1: lights are, are outside they're they're part of the street okay and- i have an
0: idea i have an idea <laughs> but yes but your style so you tell me it's got a lot of wow factor just intrinsically but personally what do you prefer in terms of a style for that space
1: It's modern with a touch of bohemian.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. What immediately came to mind when you mentioned this lighting issue is a large mirror. And the thing I like about a large mirror is it will reflect the windows that are on the other side. It will reflect all those fun string lights. But also you mentioned that your budget is somewhat limited. And the expensive thing about getting a large piece of art is that you have to frame that large piece of art. And that can really double or even triple the cost of the piece itself. So what I love about a mirror is it's already hard. It's already Mm pre-framed. Now, you're still going to want to hang it low in relationship to the piece of furniture that it's above. So I still don't hang it more than 12 inches above the height of the back of the couch. So look at the height of the back of the couch, the highest point, and measure about 12 inches up from there. Okay. And that's where the bottom of the mirror should be. The height of the mirror should be higher than usual, and higher than usual means 48 to 60 inches high, but I really wouldn't surpass that because it's going to start to look freakish. We don't grow just because the height of your walls does. And you want to keep the mirror lengthwise, side to side, proportional to the couch. So my favorite ratio is 50 to 75% of the length of the couch should be the length of the mirror. And then, of course, that height shouldn't exceed 60 because it will start to look freakish.
1: No taller than 60 inches high.
0: That's right. And they have great mirrors that are roughly that size at Pottery Barn. Believe it or not, stylistically, they run the gamut from modern to industrial to traditional. They have a lot of great styles of very large wall mirrors. I also love Z Gallery for super large wall mirrors. You can also just Google 48 by 48 mirror and get a lot of lovely options. Oh, fantastic. But based on what you're telling me, I really think that that is a good direction. And in other words, you will really maximize light and maximize the look of the space by doing that. Okay. Okay. I That's love un- the idea of adding additional lighting too. A mirror is not going to solve all your problems, right? And especially because the loft is so dark
1: that I, I definitely need some some lighting advice.
0: You mentioned, I think, that you don't have any overheads. Is that correct? I don't.
1: Yes, uh, it's a, it's an open ceiling. I guess is how you would call it. it doesn't have, it's not a, tr- a traditional ceiling, and there's no lighting
0: fixtures.
1: Uh, does it have exposed pipes up there? It does. Uh-huh. So everything that I currently have are floor lamps and just lamps resting on, you know, different desks and wardrobes, but it still feels pretty dark. So I don't know if I'm if I'm not using the right lamps or if there's anything I can do to sort of accentuate the
0: light. Well, I have some thoughts for sure. One thought is how many lamps would you say you have in there now? Probably 5. Okay. Well, that's a lot of lamps for one room, I will say, because, you know, I have a minimum of three, even if you did have an overhead light, Uh because lamps create those cozy pools of light that will help to define areas and make things just feel more welcoming.
1: I mean, I should say that it's five to six in the entire loft space. So that includes my bedroom.
0: Oh, oh, well, that changes things because I want three (laughs) lamps in every room. Okay. As a minimum, minimum. And then, of course, I like to use the full-range dimmer switches that plug into your lamp and then plug into the wall and turn any lamp into a full-range dimmable solution. Uh-huh. That way you don't have to have them all on maximum wattage all the time. You can oh. get that at Amazon or at your local hardware store for under $10. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I love those. It's a it's a little addiction of mine. But the other thing I was thinking about You know, this could kind of align with your Boho aesthetic, but they have all those sort of light bulbs on colorful cords these days at Urban Outfitters, at West Elm, and of course at places like Design Within Reach. But they're just kind of an exposed Edison bulb that's on a colorful cord. You could loop that over one of those high pipes Oh yeah, and kind of really embrace the industrial nature and putting that over a desk would be super fun. You could also use it to actually loop a larger style, like maybe even kind of a a ball style. They have an interesting option at Ikea that looks somewhat like a huge dandelion, which you might be familiar with, Uh or just a more simplistic ball style that's just really big and in the center of the space over a pipe. So really playing with that architecture, but using it to get that central overhead you're hoping for. I've never thought about that. That's a great idea. Now, you will see the cord, right, which is why I like the colorful options. Or you could potentially even have something specifically wired. For instance, if it was meant to be hardwired, you could just take it to a local electrician or any lighting person. And then they could give as much cord as you want. So you don't have to have an extension cord on it. Say you bought the solution from West Elm or something like that, it may not reach all the way to the ground, what with your high ceilings. So it could be really fun and super affordable to just get a hardwired ball type lamp that you would find at Lumens or even Home Depot or like I mentioned, Ikea, and then have that wired with a super long cord. Great. I love that idea. I think that would really play up the nature of this loft space. Uh-huh. But it is more of an industrial or eclectic aesthetic, so I'd really want to make sure that that fits with your personal vibe. I think you could make it boho, but I don't think you could make it very modern. It's not a super clean look since you're going to be seeing a cord. Right. Now, the other option is to bring in an arcing lamp. An arcing lamp will draw your eye up, and it also centrally lights the space in an overhead type way, and they have a lot of really nice modern options that are higher than the ones you may be thinking of. They have some that are 80 to 90 inches high, which is the height of almost an eight-foot ceiling. So that could be a good option for you, too. And they have a lot of affordable knockoffs on Amazon.
1: An arcing lamp is a floor lamp. Yes. That's over. Okay.
0: Yes. That's got kind of a wire base that arcs into the center of the room with a shade. So it provides that overhead experience, but it doesn't rely on the ceiling at all. And you would want a higher than normal one because they have a lot that are six feet high at Creighton Barrels, C B two, West Elm. That's not gonna work for you. I think that might actually serve to dwarf the space a little bit. I'd want you to get one that's higher than normal. Look for one that's eighty plus inches high. Okay. That will really emphasize that hey this is a really leggy space we are doing something bigger than normal here and a lot of them have a cool marble base or in your case with a low budget a faux marble base Uh that can be a fun texture to bring in and it really appeals to that modern look nice so we're going to take a quick commercial break and i can't wait to get back to a couple more questions great have you always wanted to work with an interior designer but just weren't sure you could afford it Also, you weren't sure how to go about it. Well, you can work with affordable interior design. Whether you're in the New York area or in Australia, we can help you with your design dilemmas with our all-new Virtual Transformation Package. This package is a two-hour experience with one of our pros. You will get an entire room transformed. All you have to do is send in pictures and measurements of the space you'd like to work on. Then, our designer spends the first hour on the phone with you, determining the perfect layout for that room. The second hour is spent online shopping together. Virtually, you will be scouring the internet looking for those perfect items that will give you that designer look and all the pieces we find for you will fit within your budget. At the end of the call, you get a computerized floor plan and you get that click and buy shopping list so that you can go out and decorate your space with confidence. That total package is three dollars Don't wait. Write us today at info at affordableinteriordesign.com to sign up for your transformation. Check out more information at affordableinteriordesign.com and we can't wait to work with you. We are back with Vanessa. She's asking all sorts of wonderful questions about her Los Angeles loft. Vanessa, I hear you have another question for us.
1: Yes. So I spent, I've been spending more of my time in Brooklyn, uh, where I just moved in with my boyfriend in November and we live in a, in a, you know, fairly sized two bedroom. I do a lot of writing and my boyfriend is a visual artist. He's a painter. And we've been thinking about using that second bedroom as a workspace and also a guest room. Mm -hmm. So we've been trying to figure out how to both, you know, have like set it up in a way where we would be able to invite guests, but also be able to work from it
0: you know, on a day-to-day basis. So one room, three uses, an art space, a space for writing, and a space to accommodate guests in terms of a bed and maybe some minimal storage. Correct. Got it. And how big is the room? I don't know,
1: like 12 feet by, probably like 12 by 12.
0: Okay. Around that. So one thing I'm just going to put out there, I, I mean, I don't know how large your boyfriend works in terms of format of his paintings or how messy he is I started my career as a painter and I really spread out I did very large format I had acrylic paints all over the place I really spread out you guys know my loyal listeners that I am a little bit messy so I definitely let my artistic self express um, but how messy or how large format does he work
1: we're both very organized. Mm. We both have these German genes in us. Mm. Yeah. I need a little bit of that. We're very meticulous with with keeping everything pretty organized in our in, you know, in our living space and our workspace is pretty organized. I think we've we've talked about, you know, do we have do we bring a day bed in there or do we have some kind of Murphy bed situation where we bring in, you know, I've never had a Murphy bed, so it doesn't seem very appealing to me, but We've talked about these different solutions. And I think, you know, as far as his own work, it's not very large. He he works in small pieces mm. so, and and some photography based stuff. So it's more of accommodating a desk space that could work for both of us, you know, not at the same time, obviously, right, but, right. Uh, but also not be so overwhelming when guests come over and they're just they feel like they're invading sort of workspace area.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I don't always recommend a Murphy bed because when you fold it up, all you've got is open space. It's not a place that could accommodate an additional sofa or a dining table. You don't want to be shifting furniture back and forth like that every day. But in your particular instance, what you need is that open space in terms of if he's standing at an easel or something like that. So I think that it potentially could make sense in your situation, but those are easily $1,500. I don't know if that's in your budget. I don't know how long you plan on staying in this space. For more of a flex space, I would consider doing a desk because you need a surface of some kind. Then you would need a chair. Does he stand at an easel? Does he work on the wall? He likes to paint on like a side table. So on a flat surface. Oh, well, that's handy. Yeah. So really, I think you just need a really big table. Yeah, I think think so. And with the Murphy bed, I guess, right? I'm reconsidering the Murphy bed. It really sounds like you don't need much in this room. I was thinking he would need an easel. I was thinking he would need a separate storage cabinet for all of his stuff, which he might indeed need, but perhaps there's a closet in this room. Most bedrooms must have a closet to be called a bedroom.
1: Yes. I mean, it is New York, so you never know. But yes, it does have a closet.
0: (laughs) Right. I'm thinking you just need a really long work surface. My favorite place to get really long work surfaces is Ikea because they sell the tabletops and the legs separately. So you can get one that's five feet long, six feet long, and then they have the legs that instead are kind of those storage cabinets. And I, as a painter, really liked drawers. Like lots of different drawers could hold all the red paints, all my paint brushes, all the blue paints, all my erasers, things like that. So drawers were really helpful to me as an artist more than doors and shelves were. So I don't know how he feels about that, but they have a great base for the tabletop that's all drawers. So you could get two of those or you could have one side and he could have the other. If you got a very long desk that potentially had a central leg – you know, he could have two and you could have one and you'd each have your own designated work area. Even though I know you're not working there at the same time, that way your space wouldn't have paint on it or anything like that.
1: Yes. That's what I'm, I'm hoping won't happen. So Yeah, I mean, if it was like a his or his and hers drawers, that would be amazing. Um, Right.
0: With that central base, I think, to really kind of divide the space. And then if you had to, you could just take out the central base if you needed to work really large format or something and just put a leg in in the back for stability. And then I think you're going to have plenty of room for a futon or a sofa bed. And that could potentially move with you if you're just renting, because I really do hate investing in that Murphy bed. If you're okay. not sure how long you're going to be there, you're not sure, you know, there's all these variables and then you have to buy a mattress and then you really can't easily take it with you. And as I mentioned before, I don't really recommend Murphy Beds that often. It's just for certain circumstances.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds like a, a good plan um, because you're right. I mean, it is it is New York. Our lives are changing really fast and, and you know, we might not be in that space uh, for longer than a year.
0: I'd rather see you invest on a few pieces that could potentially go with you or things that are more flexible. And I think a sofa bed or a futon might be one of those items. Okay. So let's get to your final question. My final
1: question. So um, my my final question was going back to the to the loft in LA. As I mentioned, it's, they're concrete floors. It's exposed ceiling. So it feels at times, very industrial. And I've tried to warm up the place by bringing in rugs. And I love, love, love plants. Uh, What's happened, though, is that I don't really have a green thumb. And so I I tend to uh, kill these plants pretty often. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you have any recommendations on indoor plants that aren't high maintenance.
0: Definitely. Well, I'm sure you've already read my book cover to cover, including chapter eight, Plants You Can't Kill. But if you haven't, run, don't walk to Amazon or my website, affordableinteriordesign.com to purchase your copy. I outline my favorite plants you can't kill because I myself do not have a green thumb. My favorite plants that I can manage to keep alive are bamboo. So are you familiar with those stalks of bamboo? Yes. You can get them at Ikea. You can get them in Chinatown. You can get them at most hardware stores now, actually. Uh, You can even get them at a lot of bodegas. And the number of stocks has significance, depending on what you want to do. I would look it up because it's escaping me right now. But like two stocks is love, three stocks is wealth. Do not quote me on that. But I have two stocks right here on my desk, only because one just died. So I think I was going for three for wealth. But anyway. um but anyway it died after a very very long time in neglected conditions so bamboo is your friend the money plant or sometimes they're called money trees are amazing they keep ticking even after taking a licking they don't need a lot of light you can water them once every week to two weeks they actually prefer to completely dry out before you water them again Also, aloe is a great choice for a plant. Now, of course, it's smaller, so it would just be a small touch, but it also has those healing properties, and you can really use it, especially in the summer or maybe in LA year-round if you're getting sunburns. I'm a little bit jealous, year-round sunburns. Uh, The jade plant is another plant that you really just can't kill, and it comes in small sizes and medium sizes, and it has a lot of connotations of wealth, according to feng shui. So if you're looking to bring more money into your life, add one of those. I am. Oh, good. Perfect. And then there's such a thing called a ZZ plant, the letter Z twice plant. And that's another really good one that can get to a fairly robust size. And again, you can neglect this puppy and it will stick with you, which is my kind of plant. The other thing just on this note about bringing wealth into your life is if you tape money under the planter, it's said to help your money grow. So I would go for quarters rather than pennies, but taping coins under your planter is apparently going to bring you even more wealth and abundance. I love that. Yeah. Get the scotch tape and pick a lucky quarter. Okay. Well, Vanessa, it has been such a pleasure talking with you. I hope we've helped solve your bicoastal dilemmas. Thank you so much,
1: Betsy. This has been amazing and super helpful. and, And now I feel like I... I have some solid advice to, you know, redecorate both the loft in LA and and our
0: space in Brooklyn. Wonderful. Well, go forth, decorate, and keep us posted on how it turns out. I know my listeners will want to know. So feel free to send in a soundbite telling us how the changes worked out for you. Will do. Thank you. Thanks, Vanessa. Bye. Bye. Guys, it has been another great episode. If you were jealous of Vanessa, if you want to send in your dilemmas, send them to Betsy at affordableinteriordesign.com. So yeah, keep those questions coming. Let us know if you want us to devote an entire episode to you. We would love to feature you and your decor issues. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Katherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out AffordableInteriorDesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. Even better, become a premium member. Yes, you can become a premium member of Big Design Small Budgets podcast by going to BigDesignSmallBudget.com. Not only do premium members get access to our archives of over 100 episodes, you also get our bonus episodes, which give you a sneak peek into my world as an interior designer. Every week, I share a new vignette, a new anecdote, new tips, all in that bonus series. You won't want to miss it. To become a premium member, go to BigDesignSmallBudget.com. It's $3.99 per month or 39 dollars for a year's membership, and you're going to love it. I guarantee it. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.